Have you gone out of your way to share the gospel lately? We'll take a look at Jesus as he does next. Here in John chapter 4, Jesus says that he must go up through Samaria. Well, according to the maps of the day, it wasn't that he had to, but there was somebody along the way there in Samaria, a woman at the well. And herein lies for us a marvelous example of going out of our way to witness in order to produce more worshipers. It's a marvelous look at evangelism today. Please join us with Truth for Today from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Again, in John chapter 4 and verse 1, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. That would be 12 noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? The understatement of the year, isn't it? Are you greater than Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Another understatement. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we know for salvation or a savior, either way, is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The subject I want to speak on is we ought to witness in order to make worshipers. We ought to be witnessing to make worshipers. Piper said in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Now watch. Missions exist because worship does not. We went to Rodeo to witness on a mission. Why did we do that? Is that the chief thing of all the universe? What is the chief end of man and the universe but to glorify God and worship him forever? But we went to a bunch of people that don't give God any worship because they're going to hell. They don't know Christ. Their lives are in a mess. And the church is to go to witness in order that the witness will produce a believer and only believers can worship. But they're not born a worshiper. God didn't find you as a worshiper. He found you as a sinner. He found you worshiping yourself, your agenda, the me, 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 me in you. We love to worship. It's just we're fussy about who it is. If it's not us, we don't want to do it. And so God has to work in our heart. So Piper rightly says, you want to go to men and women because we're trying to form a worship choir that will sing with the 24 elders around the throne. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to save us from sin. So we witness in order to make worshipers of God. I want to look at three things. Now, you can remember this chapter pretty easy. If you just thought of witness, a woman, a well, water, worship. If you can say W, and I'm not talking about George W, I'm talking about W, uh, you can remember this. But there's three things I want to hang my thoughts on. Uh, Jesus is on a mission to find sinners. Jesus is on a mission to find sinners. Are we? Two. Jesus offers the only drink in town that satisfies forever. Three, Jesus turns sinners into worshipers. Uh, Jesus is on a mission to find sinners. Here we come to this narrative, and uh, Jesus decides to go through Samaria. It said in verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. He did not have to go there uh, logically. 
Uh, most Jews went through Samaria. That was the shortcut to Jerusalem. It was only the radical, fanatical, devout Jew that wouldn't go through Samaria. Because they would go around to Perea uh, on the east side of Jordan. They didn't want to be contaminated with Samaria. They hated them. Uh, but the majority of Jews said, oh, I could set aside my hate long enough to take the shortcut and go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. But here it says crisis, and he must go through Samaria. I believe this is a divine mission that had been worked out by he and the Father before Christ ever came. His must, the imperative was, there's a sinner there that I plan to turn into a worshiper. I must go out of my way. And by the way, the journey cost him energy. It wears him out. And he lands there at noon in the heat of the day. It wasn't easy on his humanity, but he had an assignment to go out of his way to find a lost woman. Just like he went out of his way to look you up. He put you in his itinerary. Or you've never been saved. And so he goes there and he finds a Samaritan woman. Let me tell you what the problem was. In 2 Kings 17, when the Assyrians invaded Israel, uh, there were Jews in Samaria and they deported them. But in their place, they brought in five different peoples to occupy the geography of Samaria. And, and by so doing... They intermarried with Jewish women, breaking down their Jewishness. So it was almost, the Jews saw it as genocide. Besides that, if you read 2 Kings 17, they brought in all their different gods. They put in a little bit of Judaism. They rejected the book of Psalms. They gave up the prophets. They only bought the first five books of Moses. Uh, they, it was syncretism. They brought in all these different religions. They brought in all these other Gentiles. So Samaria was a, a half-breed nation. Religiously diverse and apostate. Ethnically, they didn't know who they were. They didn't know who were the, their fathers. And so the Jews saw it as an affront on their religion and an affront on their race. They hated it. In 400 B.C., the Samaritans decided, we're not going to Jerusalem. We're going to build another place of worship. And they built a temple at Mount Gerizim. And that's where they worship. About 122 B.C., the Jews invaded the land and burnt down their temple. So this hostility is raging in the land of Samaria. So for Christ to even include going to this kind of people, this racial diversity, anti-Jewish, it is an amazing that the Messiah of Israel will look up a fallen Gentile woman of the worst kind. She's a woman. And in the ancient Near East, women had no voting rights. They could not speak in the synagogue. They sat in separate places. They were good for having babies and doing manual labor. They were not esteemed highly. Then she's a Samaritan. Then she shows up at noon 
And to show you how popular she is, nobody else would be seen dead with her. All the other women, of you get the water early in the morning. Since water weighs eight pounds to a gallon, it's not a, white, a, a, a light thing to be carrying water. You do it early in the day. But none of the women want to be down there because this woman has a way with men. She's always going to have a man. Now, we don't know what happened to the husband. She, they either died, were divorced, or poisoned. But they're not around. You see, women are hard on men. That's why they're getting all the insurance money. Guys, don't get any more insurance. They're hard on us. She was really hard. Where are all the men? And they only had a village. A village might be 500 people. So just think if you had all your husbands in the same town, and now I'm, I'm living with another guy. By the way, having sex doesn't make you married. Shacking up isn't a marriage. Sex does not equal marriage. She's living with a guy. She's having sex, but she's not married in the sight of God. You have a lot of people say, well, what difference if you get a certificate? Who cares if you say you're married? This woman was living with a guy said, she's not married. Just living with your boyfriend doesn't make you married. Doesn't mean God's blessing it. You're not married. Because marriage means you publicly declare this person is spoken for. And I pledge my allegiance. I'm spoken for. And so that our children will not be illegitimate. They will be the result of a covenant bond between us. Marriage includes a covenant. And today people want sex. They don't want the covenant. They don't make any promises because they're treacherous at heart. They want to bail out anytime you get sick or look ugly. They want out. They don't want to make a covenant. Honey, put out or I'm out. You know, we're Californians I'm talking to. This would be offensive in Texas, but you laugh because you get it. This is our culture, right? He goes to this woman. I must see this woman. Come on, Jesus. You got more important things to do than to look up a fallen woman. Don't you? I mean, what credit would it be to say you led this woman to the Lord? She is not that. You need to lead a banker to the Lord. You need to lead. lead. Come on, you're working on Nicodemus in chapter 3. Now, why this fallen woman? Nicodemus is way up here, she's way down here. She's the worst category that you could even as a Jew be associated with. And to be with her alone at noon opens you to scandal. Jesus is not afraid of your color, your category, nor your circumstances. He comes looking for sinners. And they come in all varieties. He doesn't care about all the categories. And when he gets there, uh, he uh, starts talking to her. He sets up his evangelism that he's going to offer her a drink she's never had before. And she misses it totally. Watch this. Verse 7, a woman comes and Jesus says, give me a drink. Now, now he was thirsty physically, but he's going to use it as a hook to go to the thirst that's in her. And so she says, wait, wait, uh, you don't even have a bucket and you want me to get, and you're a Jew. Uh, you don't need 
We have nothing to do with each other. What are you doing asking me to do you that kind of favor? Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God and who's talking to you, I'm the true fountain of life and you don't know it. And I would like to give you a drink. And there's two things about my drink. Watch this. You, I'd give you a drink and you'd have living water and you would, you would ask for it. Notice verse 13. Everyone who drinks of this water, the water at Jacob's well, they, they'll be thirsty again. The water that I want to give you, you'll never thirst again, and it will be well enough to eternal life. What he's saying, it's living water, which meant it's moving water. It's water that comes like from a spring. It's not stagnant water. It's bubbling. Now, now, there's two ways that water is interpreted. In John 7, he's going to say, I'll give you living water. This spake ye of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given for the Son of Man, had not yet been glorified. But he also said in John 14, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so some have combined it, that the water being offered are the teachings of Christ placed in us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what he's offering her is eternal life that makes the Spirit come in and make you understand the teachings of Christ. And he's saying, I am the drink woman that you need. You've had a lot of relationships, but you're still thirsty. Uh, there's a cosmic thirst in you. Every man and woman live with a thirst in this life. And if you die without Christ, that thirst remains with you for all eternity. For the rich man in hell, all he wanted was a drop of water. For to live and die without Christ is to be eternally thirsty. To be eternally empty. Eternally wondering where I could find satisfaction. Now, the marvelous thing, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. But here he says, if you drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again. So how's that? I'm supposed to hunger and thirst, one. Over here, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. What he's saying is, once you come to me, you will never have to search again for water. If you come to me, you'll never need to look for bread to quench the hunger of the soul. But I want you to keep an appetite. But now you've found, I've got a storehouse of supply for your appetite. And I want you to hunger and thirst for what I'm able to give you and you alone. But the resources I bring are massive. They'll satisfy all the hunger you'll ever have for all eternity. So you come but you're no longer looking for the source. You're no longer looking for the supply for water, bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread from heaven. You eat of me. You assimilate me. And you'll never be hungry again in the inner man. You'll never thirst again if you drink of me. And she doesn't get it. She's saying, wow, if you can do that, give me a drink. And she's still thinking of physical water. So then he goes a little deeper. Go 
get your husband and let me tell him about this. What he was using was this. Watch. The greatest way to the heart is through an open wound. And the open wound in her life is she couldn't find anybody to marry her. They'd shack up with her. But the men in town got the word out. Don't marry this woman. She's too hard to live with. How can five men be wrong? I used to quote that blues song. A woman done run off with a garbage man. I don't miss that woman, but who's going to empty my can? Well, <laughs> see, uh, this was a mean woman some way. I just see someone to empty the can. You ever hear blues? She's a hard-headed woman. The men don't even talk about us because, man, we are indescribable. But, boy, we love to trash women. This gal's got a problem. She can't even get anyone to marry her. And yet, the king of glory looks her up at the well. And you know what? He doesn't call her a whore. He doesn't call her a loser. He doesn't call her a streetwalker. He said, you know what your problem is? You're a thirsty woman. You're a thirsty woman. The innermost recesses of your heart have never been filled with anything that satisfies. And you keep looking. You keep trying. You keep going on. This woman had to be a bundle of heartbreak, a bundle of disappointments. I don't think any woman would want to be married five times. But it's heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. And Jesus said, well, go get your husband. And at that, she says, you, you whoa, I'm talking to, maybe to a prophet. Uh, how do you know? Uh, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you're not kidding. You don't. And see, when he did that, Jesus hit too close to home, so now she's going to play the religious card. Oh, we differ with you guys on religion anyway. She moves from her marital status, moves from her moral life. Let's discuss theology. I think you ought to be at this mountain. It had nothing to do with what he's trying to do. So moves over here, and Jesus goes right. He says, oh, you want to discuss worship and where to do it? I'll do that. First of all, I came out of my way to find you at this well. Two, I've offered you the drink of myself, eternal life, that will quench your thirst. And I've exposed, you're naked before me, lady. I know your whole life. And you know what? You may be here today without Christ. This might be your well today. You're at the well. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Closing out our time together today, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast, as always, are available. If you would like to review them at your convenience or use them in a small group study, pass along to a friend or family member. Again, simply contact us here at Truth For Today, and we'll make sure that you get a copy. The entire series is available as well. And throughout the month of August, as you become a TFT sustainer with a gift of any amount, we have a very special gift we'd like to send your way with a little bit more about it. Our teacher and pastor once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard. I think that oftentimes, especially we who loved Reformed theology, we're in court we're before a righteous judge, and we're coming before the righteous standards that have been broken. And so everything's legal. Everything is, I need a lawyer. I need a defender. 
I need someone to give a righteousness I don't have. But what we can often overlook, what makes this righteousness available? And then I hear a verse that says, God so loved the world. They say, oh, let's don't get gooey. Don't get gooey. This thing comes out of the heart of God, the mercies of God. And he shows back here, oh, you talk about a lover. This God is a lover that will woo us, pursue us down through the labyrinth of time, making himself revealed. And you see it just with a faint sketch in a Boaz that doesn't know this Gentile girl, not at all. Who are you? And he says, I've come to love this girl. I'll pay the price. I'll bring her into the family tree and I'll redeem the family name. The Romance of Redemption, a marvelous look at the book of Ruth, and it is yours for a gift of any amount this month. Our way of saying thank you for being a TFT sustainer. Now, by the way, as you contact us and become a TFT sustainer on a regular basis, some of the other resources available to you are our quarterly newsletter, our once-a-year special gift, and take a break with Pastor Phil. It's the weekly video devotional that we have available. And again, that is for our TFT sustainers. No matter how big or how small the gift on a monthly basis, it's our way of saying thank you for partnering with us and allowing us the opportunity to continue the ministry of Truth For Today right here on KFAX. You can reach us at 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time, May the Lord richly bless you.